0: We you take your Bible, please, and turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Can you hear me okay? Okay. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. So, as you can tell by the cover of your bulletin, Andre mentioned this sooner or earlier. This year's Advent series is called Revealed. Because we're spending the four weeks of Advent in consideration of four specific individuals who were involved in some way in the birth story of Jesus Christ and therefore had the truth of Christ revealed to them in incredible and amazing ways. Last week, Andre talked about Mary and how it was revealed to Mary that she would give birth to the long-expected Messiah. And how her response to this was to burst forth in song. In what is now known as the Magnificat, she sang about God's mindfulness, God's might, and God's rich mercy. And from these three attributes of God, we learned that That not only is God aware of your particular situation because he is mindful, and not only can he do something about your particular situation because he is mighty, he also wants to do something about your situation because he is merciful. The arrival of the Christ child that grew within Mary's womb at that time signaled just how much God cares and involves Himself in our lives. This message of God's unfailing love continues today in the second week of our series, namely in the story of Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest in Jerusalem who married the daughter of a priest, Elizabeth, The same woman who met with Mary and pronounced blessing over her. Elizabeth understood the demands of the priesthood very well and loved the Lord with all her heart, just as Zechariah did. It says earlier in this chapter, in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. You get the sense that this was a beautiful union between husband and wife as they walked by faith in God together. But there was heartache as well. Culturally, it was expected that married couples would have children, but Elizabeth, again, as we learn earlier in the chapter, Elizabeth couldn't conceive. And by this time, both she and Zechariah were well advanced in years, far beyond the age of pregnancy. One can only imagine the Tears, the prayers, and the years of unanswered prayer these two endured together. If you've ever longed for something with all your heart, only to watch the possibility of it coming true grow less and less likely over time, then you know the kind of pain and self-scrutiny and ultimate resignation that Zechariah and Elizabeth endured. And then out of nowhere, everything changed. On a day that began like any other, something miraculous took place. Zechariah was working in the temple when he was chosen to burn incense to the Lord. Now this was an incredible honor because the altar of incense, if you know your temple layout, the altar of incense was located within the holy place just before the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And the Holy of Holies, of course, represented the glory of God's presence into which only the high priest was allowed entrance, and that but once per year. That Zechariah was selected to tend the altar of incense just outside the Holy of Holies was a true honor indeed. In fact, a priest could serve his entire life. True story. A priest could serve his entire life and never serve in this privileged position. (coughs) The altar of incense represented the prayers of the people as the fragrant offering rose heavenward to God. And while standing at his post offering incense, Zechariah was suddenly joined by an angel who declared that his prayers had been heard. And his wife Elizabeth would bear a child, a son, in her old age. And this boy would be unique among the sons of Israel, filled with the Holy Spirit from within his mother's womb and turn many of the children of Israel to God as he prepared the way for the Lord. Now pause there for a minute. I want you to ask yourself how you would respond to this surprising news were you in Zechariah's position. For years, you've prayed for a child to no apparent avail. And so, how likely would you be to believe? And how successful would you be in overcoming any doubt? in that life-altering moment as the angel of the Lord stood before you while you worked your post in the temple. Zechariah didn't believe at first. The doubt within was too strong. The long years that had passed him by had numbed his receptivity in this area. He questioned the angel in disbelief and was made mute as a result. God's grace was still with him, though. Elizabeth conceived just as the angel promised. She carried the baby to full term and bore a son. And yet for nine months, Zechariah watched and waited without saying a word, not a single word. Until when it came time to circumcise the boy and name him John, his tongue was loosed, and he blessed God. Friends and family that gathered that day and Wonderment tried to discern what was happening and why. When Zechariah stood to the fore, and just like Mary did previously, he burst forth in praise. Which brings us to this morning's text. Let's read it together. John chapter 1, verse 67 through the end of the chapter. So, beginning at verse 66, we see that all who were gathered were were amazed and wondering, what is it about John? What will this child be and become? <clears throat> because they all recognize the hand of the Lord. And Zechariah, in verse 67, In Zechariah his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has redeemed, he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his holy covenant, that, that oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we are we're gathered here this morning as a grateful people. You've been very good to us. Thank you. You are good in every way all the time. And we know that all good we receive has come from your good and sovereign hand. And so we're a very privileged people. And we're very thankful. Thank you for the goodness that comes to us even now as we gather as the church. What a gift the church is to us. Thank you for the gathering of your church worldwide. This morning, and how congregations of people have been meeting in places all over the globe to declare your praise and to learn from you and to discern your word and to apply it, to encourage one another to love and good deeds. And now, Lord, it is our turn and we thank you for this great opportunity. We would ask for your help in understanding your word this morning. We would pray that our hearts would be receptive to the seeds of your word, so that what happens here would bear good and eternal fruit in each life and even beyond these four walls. So come and minister to your people and turn our gaze unto yourself that we might glory in Christ our Redeemer, for in his name we pray, amen. Let me take a quick aside here. As you know, I've been fighting this cough for a while. And I, just, I feel like I need to share this if for no other reason to get it off my chest. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, I struggled with this cough during the baby dedicate. I struggled with it all through the deal, and I had this tickle in my throat, and it was like I was on the verge of coughing all service long. And you, when you get, if you do any public speaking, you get to a point where you're trying to talk around the tickle. You know what I'm saying? And then you realize the tickle is going to win. And so you have to just deal with it. And, and so that was two weeks ago, and it, my cough is getting progressively better. And it's been very good, actually, the last few days. And this morning, I've not been coughing at all. And so I think part of this is that I have a cough. And I think part of this is I think... I think maybe Satan's trying to distract us. And so I'm just getting that out there. And I'm just saying as you're listening and and we're praying and be patient with me and understand God has really great things for us here today. I'm excited about I've enjoyed my time in his word. I'm excited to share what I've learned with you. And um, and if you if I'm coughing or throat tickling or whatever it is, just be patient with me. We're going to get through this together and it's going to be a wonderful thing, but we're not going to allow the enemy to win. Okay? So thank you for allowing me to... Ross, this is when I need my soapbox. You know what I'm saying? Yes. (laughs) It's an inside joke. Okay, traditionally, this passage we've just read is known as the Benedictus. And it's taken from the word blessed that begins Zechariah's praise. This morning, I want to take it in two parts. Part one is what I'm calling the promise fulfilled, and that's verses 68 through 75. The promise fulfilled. Part two is the way prepared, and that's verses 76. Through 79. The promise fulfilled and the way prepared. Zechariah begins by blessing God for a promise fulfilled. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And in verses 68 through 75, he recounts four reasons why such praise is warranted it's because God has redeemed. God has raised, God has remembered, and God has restored. And I want to walk through these four reasons with you. God has redeemed. Verse 68 (coughs) Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. That God has visited means he has moved toward us and takes interest in us. When we visit with one another, for example, when we stop by each other's homes or visit before or after church or we meet for coffee and visit. What we're doing in those moments is we're taking interest in each other and in the relationship we share. Similarly, God has created us for relationship with Himself, and though sin has broken that, He did not discard us, but instead draws near to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who redeems us. (coughs) Now this word redemption... Is an important word to know for it describes how sinful human beings are bought back from slavery to sin into restored relationship with God through the payment that was made by Jesus when he died upon the cross. That's redemption. Even though Jesus was not yet born at that time, Zechariah knew he was coming and what he would accomplish. And he says that in Jesus, God is with us. (coughs) And through Jesus, we are redeemed. Second, God has raised. (coughs) God has raised. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. (coughs) Now this expression, a horn of salvation obviously is not one that we use today but back in the day the horn was a symbol of strength and power and in some ways it still is <clears throat> animals for instance are often described and characterized by the size and shape of their horn the larger the horn the stronger the beast Jesus is likened to a strong and powerful horn. He is the horn of salvation mighty to save. That God has raised this horn means we have a divinely appointed Savior who most certainly will defeat all foes and deliver us from the hands of the enemy. That's what it says in verse 71. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Now there are earthly and heavenly implications to this statement. <coughs> Zechariah probably had earthly enemies in mind. He likely thought about national and political deliverance because Israel was a subjugated nation. The people had been longing for independence for centuries, expecting Messiah to come as a conquering king. <coughs> What they learned, however, and what people are still learning today, what we are still learning today, is that our greatest enemy is not another nation or political agenda. Please hear this. Our greatest enemy is not another nation or political agenda, but rather the sin that lives within each human heart and destroys the soul. And the one who hates us most is not an earthly oppressor, but rather the devil himself, whose sole purpose is to steal. Kill and destroy. Zechariah was not wrong, though, because a day is coming when God will restore heaven on earth and all earthly enemies will be dealt with justly. But you need to know that this Jesus Christ, this strong, Horn of salvation is already rescuing and redeeming men and women from the greatest of enemies, even today. Sin and Satan are soundly defeated because God has highly exalted this Savior who is mighty to save. Next, God has remembered. God has remembered. Three times Zechariah refers to how God remembered his holy covenant. It says, God spoke by the mouth of the prophets verse 70 god promised mercy to our forefathers verse 72 and god swore an oath to abraham verse 73 to bless and multiply his offspring now the abrahamic covenant the abrahamic covenant was made back in genesis which is what zechariah has in mind here and it stressed god's love and loyalty And it guaranteed that all peoples would receive blessing from God through Abraham's line. Therefore, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, and the horn of our salvation, is evidence that God has not forgotten and remains true to His Word. He has remembered. God made a plan. Even before He created the world. We need to know that there is divine thought and purpose behind creation itself. There was purpose in play when God made man and woman in His image. And even when they fell from that great purpose in Genesis 3, as soon as sin left broken what God had made whole, even then God spoke of a Savior to come. And from generation to generation, He remembered His promise and continually reminded His people of it, faithfully working His redemptive plan in just the right way at just the right time. And when the fullness of time has come, Scripture says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. All that took place in the Old Testament anticipated Christ in the New. In fact, I would say you cannot understand your Old Testament in full unless you read it through the lenses of Jesus Christ. So that even before Jesus was born, the blueprint was already in place. And this speaks to God's sovereign rule over all things. And what it tells us is that God is working in our lives even now in ways that won't be fully revealed until future days. Zechariah is touching on the attributes of God that intend to bolster our confidence in Him, specifically that God is faithful and His love is steadfast, for He binds Himself, listen, He binds Himself to us with promises that the passing of time will in no way diminish. And all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. We need to take what God has done and is doing now and let it strengthen our faith in what He will do in days to come. <clears throat> for it's as we recognize God's involvement in our today that we grow assured in what He has promised for our tomorrow. And then finally, God has restored. Redeemed, raised, remembered, restored. Verses 74 and 75 teach that God has granted deliverance from the enemy so that we can serve Him without fear in holiness forever. In other words, God's redemptive work brings total transformation to the human experience. I want you to see this. It brings physical transformation in that we are freed from captivity to sin and Satan to serve God instead. It brings mental and emotional transformation in that we can serve God without fear. Romans 8 says, We have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but rather the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And it brings spiritual transformation in that we are made holy and righteous before God forever. total transformation to the human experience. God has restored. From this first section then, we learn that God has redeemed us by raising up a Savior in remembrance of His promises to restore our relationship with Him as it was in the beginning before the fall. That's the transforming effect Brought about by the coming of Christ to earth. Are you with me? The text then moves from the promise fulfilled to the way prepared in verse 76. And the tone of Zechariah's prophecy changes a bit as he begins prophesying over his own son. I picture him taking John into his arms. Looking him over this unexpected gift from God. And with deep gratitude and a father's pride, he says, And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Zechariah may have doubted the angel's words at first, but now, nine months later, clearly he has fully embraced the Lord's will for his son. And some 30 years would pass. John would grow up in the wilderness of Judea, while Jesus remained in relative obscurity in the Galilean town of Nazareth. And then at a time appointed by God, John began baptizing in the Jordan River, preaching repentance in the name of Christ, whose sandals he thought himself unworthy to untie. He was preparing the way for Jesus and announcing that in Christ there is forgiveness and hope and peace, which we see coming to bear here in the remainder of this passage. Verse 77 teaches that John was to give knowledge of salvation, and salvation begins with the forgiveness of sins. I want to take a moment to just be honest and say what we all know. I want to articulate and get it out there. that We all know it and we need to admit it. We, there, we gather in this room today guilty of sin. There isn't a single person here. There's not a single person in this room. Not a single child downstairs for whom this does not apply. There is not a single person outside of this church building for whom this does not apply. For all have have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have done things we ought not to have done. We have not done things we should have. We have sinned in thought and word and deed even this week and perhaps even this morning. There is sin in our hearts and there is no one to blame but ourselves. And these things break relationship with God, separate us from God, and bring death to our souls. If not for God's willingness to forgive, we would be hopelessly lost. But praise be to God, for He is willing, and He does forgive. Verse 78 speaks about the tender mercy of our God. Meaning, he is deeply moved from within. He's deeply moved with compassion for the sinner. And mercifully treats our sins not as they deserve. Because Jesus took our sins upon himself, we can be forgiven in him. Of course, the sin itself must be accounted for, which is why Jesus suffered and died. But for our sake, God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Maybe you're here thinking, because we hear this a lot, right? I hear this a lot. I assume you have too. Maybe you're here thinking that you have out God's tender mercy as if you're beyond the realm of forgiveness and I want to assure you that Christ's atonement his death on your behalf is entirely sufficient to save and forgive if you simply trust in him In other words, in Christ, there is hope that we can be more than who we are today. That's what it means when it says, in verse 78, it says, The sunrise shall visit us from on high. Just as the rising of the sun signals a new day, so does the Son of God bring light into the dark and shadowy crevices of our souls. Maybe Zechariah was thinking back to the prophet Isaiah. When Isaiah said of the coming Messiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone." Now if you've ever been lost in the dark, you know how unsettling it is to not know where you are. Or where you're going. Or what looms around you unseen. Or have you ever been unsettled by the darkness of night? You're just having a rough night for whatever reason. And you cannot wait until the light of day dawns upon the eastern horizon. That's the picture here. Zechariah is saying that though the night was long, Jesus, the light of the world, has come. A new day has begun. The dawning of new hope and the light of Christ is being given by God to those who sit in in the darkness of sin and the shadow of death. So yes, there is sure hope that you need not be defined by your sins but delivered from them instead by the person of Jesus Christ. If you will look to Him who is the light and walk by faith in Him, you will know and experience life in His name. And verse 79 says, He will guide you in the way of peace. Now the word peace here is irene, and essentially it means whole. It's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom. Typically, we associate peace with the absence of conflict. So we say things like, nations are at peace when they are not in war or conflict with other nations. We talk about being at peace in our own lives when the circumstances of our lives are worry-free. Or we're at peace. But this word means so much more. For it not only describes the absence of conflict, but also the presence of this calm assurance. In other words, it's the picture of wholeness. Now that's what we all want, isn't it? To be made whole. In sin and apart from Christ, we are fractured and broken, but in Christ... And because Jesus guides our feet into the way of peace, we are made whole again before God. And I want to ask, how do we arrive at this place of peace? Where do we find it? And in short, we don't. We don't. We simply grab hold of Jesus and He leads us to it. You cannot find this peace this divine wholeness, this sense of being made new again. You cannot find it on your own. You can't. You won't find it in self-help or selfishly motivated relationships. It's not there in money or material belongings. It's not in music or movies or eating or spending or sex or... Travel or recreation or by enjoying creation only. No, no, no. No, no. This kind of peace, this wholeness of which Zechariah speaks, is found only in Jesus Christ. It's by following him. So let him guide you. He knows the way. My encouragement and exhortation to you this morning is to take God and His Word and believe. Zechariah didn't do that at first. At first he doubted the Lord. Though he was a God-fearing man and a priest at that, he didn't believe that God could actually change his situation nor do what he said he'd do. And at times, that's us. That's me. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're God fearing, but still doubting that He really can do something with your particular situation. Can he? Really? Or maybe maybe you don't know God in a personal way at all and you doubt whether you ever can. Can I really know my creator? And I want to encourage you by reminding you that you may be on the verge of something really special. Because Zechariah's story reveals that true belief sometimes follows a season of unbelief. So don't allow your doubts to close the door on what God is doing in your heart. Zechariah's story is proof that God is good and that your faith is not in vain. But you know what it took? This is important. You know what it took? It took nine months of listening, observing, reflecting and finally deciding that time when zechariah couldn't speak was in fact a gift to him and who knows maybe to elizabeth too <laughs> because it forced him to hear God's voice in a way he hadn't before. to see God's heart with fresh eyes, to contemplate God's grace anew, and then to come to this place of decision where He would trust the Lord. I want you to listen to what God is saying to you today. Observe what He's doing around you, even in your own life. Consider what it means and the the implications of divine grace. Consider. That means think about. Reflect on. Mull over. And then come to this place of decision. where you trust that God redeems by raising up a Savior in remembrance of His promises to restore your relationship with Him, that this Jesus, whom God has given in love, can forgive you, provide you with sure hope, and lead you into everlasting peace. May God bless you.